Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy to spend some time with us, Chip and Zay. The Texas football season never ends. And Zay, breaking news, breaking news. My man Hank South over at Horns 24-7, breaking some news. Jonathan Brooks is turning pro. And what what a rise for Jonathan Brooks. Starts the year, he's on the bench, coming off the bench. (laughs) RB2 for the Texas Longhorns behind freshman C.J. Baxter. I didn't quite understand it. Yeah, Um, what was the worst move this year, Chip? Sark having Jonathan Brooks not start at the beginning of the season or having Keelan Robinson return kicks with a club hand? I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to figure out which was worse. I, I really don't know. What up, CB? Um, yeah, I mean, we're it's tied 21-21, halftime of the college football playoff semifinal. What adjustments are uh, is Steve Sarkeesian going to have for the Longhorns? I know. Let's put one-handed Keelan Robinson out there with a club on his left hand. And he'll oh and he'll drop the first one. Let's oh, it's okay. Let's send him out there again. Right. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Learning curve. Meanwhile, Jaden Blue returns the first kickoff out to the thirty-five. Oh, Zay, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't have an answer for you know. on that one. I don't. I don't know either. I don't know either. But continue, man. I'm sorry to interrupt. No, but Jonathan Brooks, I mean, and here's the kicker. CJ got hurt in the first game. If he doesn't get hurt, do we, does Jonathan Brooks get the carries that he got in the Alabama, in the fourth quarter against Alabama and against Wyoming when he had 20 plus carries for over 150 yards and he's breaking off runs of 60 yards and I'll never forget Jonathan Brooks when he was asked for his best trait he goes I don't know I'm not fast and I'm like what you are fast like you're fast enough and now he's gonna he's gonna go pro it's gonna be interesting he's got a torn ACL. He's had the surgery. He's recovering. He's not going to be able to work out for teams and they're going to have to take a chance. They're going to have to fall in love with his film, which there's a lot to fall in love with, but good for Jonathan Brooks. He knows the shelf life of a running back is not long. Um, he's He is a tough, rugged, selfless this guy's going to be a great locker room guy because all he does is produce. And why not get the clock started, get the career started, try to get to that second contract. Um, I love Jonathan Brooks. I think this kid is uh, uh, someone everyone should cheer for. He lost his father a, a year ago, his dad, um, who, you know, had liver um you know, he had dialysis. It, it was a tough journey for his dad. And his dad's the one who encouraged he and his his brother 
uh, Jordan and the, you know, his mom, Jennifer is a saint. She reminds me of my mom. Um, I'm just so happy for the Brooks family. I hope Jonathan absolutely kills it. And it's interesting because I wrote in the insider today at horns 24 seven. Um, we got to interview the assistant coaches at media day. And so I ran the dialogue that I had with Tashar choice and T choice said, Jonathan's going to ball. You know, if he decides to go, he's going to ball at the next level because he's got, he can catch it. He can run it. He's got contact balance. He's hard to bring down and he's humble. Like NFL locker rooms are going to love this guy. He's, he's going to be the first one to practice. He's going to be the guy willing to do everything. Special teams, you know, you picture Roshan Johnson, only not as vocal, just does everything right. Yeah. Yeah. And he deserves to enter the draft at this point in the career. I mean, any other position that has an ACL tear, I would probably say, okay, be patient. You probably want to get back to hundred percent, you know, have another year in college and move on. But the NFL has shown us the value that the running back gets and Jonathan Brook, he just can't take any chances, especially with the hype that he's getting, you know, with draft talks and mock drafts going on right now, even with the injury. And we've talked about it and, you know, you know, previous weeks, Chip, there have been a lot of running backs that have torn their ACL and have gone off to have really good NFL careers. I mean, Frank Gore, he's the first one that comes to mind. I want to say he tore it twice while he was in South Florida playing for Miami, and then he's probably top five in rushing, I think, and he'll probably be on his way to uh, Canton, Ohio also. And then you got guys like, you know, um, Jamal Lewis, who tore his ACL and then had a bounce back year. And I want to say went over 2000 yards. Like he, he wants to say he tore his ACL in that season. They won the Super Bowl or the year after. And then he had those big, like 2000 yard seasons and the list goes on. Willis McGahee. So John, the Brooks, I'm not worried about him, you know, getting back to full health. Like he will be back to full health and he'll be an issue in the NFL. And yeah, kudos to just a guy that never hung his his head low like he's probably thinking okay B. John Robinson and Roshan Johnson they're gone to the NFL it's my turn and then here we bring along this five-star freshman out of Florida and Sark gives him the spot which hey I guess CJ Baxter deserved it I mean you and I talk about it all the time there's sometimes players in practice that don't show much and then when the bright lights come on in the game they're all world you know what I'm well, saying you don't like you don't hit player. you don't hit as much you know, you hit on Tuesdays and you hit in camp, but you probably don't see that kind of contact balance in practice. You got to see it in a game. And and Jonathan Brooks kept showing it. I mean, it was every run. He had yards after contact over half of his 1,139 rushing yards were after contact. He had 64 force missed tackles. He was top five nationally at the time of his injury in forced missed tackles, according to Pro Football Focus. And that's that's what the NFL loves. They love that. They need to see guys who step through arm tackles, who who tacklers bounce off of. Bijan Robinson's got it. 
Um, Jonathan Brooks doesn't have the wiggle of Bijan, but he's got the he's got the vision and he's got the contact balance and he's he can catch it. So I think and he's smart. You know, he can handle a complex pro offense where he's you know got all the motions, he knows where to where the blitz is, he he doesn't miss on blitz pickup. That was probably the biggest thing they missed about Jonathan Brooks especially early on was the blitz pickup. Quinn got sacked a couple of times because <clears throat> CJ wasn't quite as adept, which is to be expected for a young running back. That's one of the hardest things for young running backs to, to pick up and to engage. Bijan was terrible at blitz pickup his first couple of years. Like he didn't go meet the contact like Jonathan Brooks. Jonathan Brooks was looking to administer some punishment and and that's what NFL teams love too. It's like he's not just absorbing the blow and getting pushed back into the quarterback. He's he's trying to take, you know, he's like a ram on the side of a mountain. He wants to take your head off. And that's that's another thing that NFL teams are gonna see and and say, okay, yeah, this guy's got it. And and it's tough. It's a hard world out there, man. Think of all the running backs who've Come out, hell, even Bijan's been in and out of the, you know, game plan. I don't know what the hell Arthur, whatever, Johnson, Arthur Blank, Smith. all of them, all those Arthurs. Yeah, Arthur That's Smith is an absolute up. joke. I, I still you know, like Michael Carter, Javante Williams. I mean, there's a bunch of dudes who've come out and they've ended up splitting time. Obviously, DeAndre Swift bounced a little bit. He's looking good now. Um, Jameer Gibbs, my freaking Lions, passing on Jalen Carter, but um, hopefully Jameer Gibbs is going to be um, lights out. And yeah, um, how about, uh, well, I was going to say, Emmanuel, that Deshard Choice's comp for Jaden Blue is Jameer Gibbs. Jameer Gibbs has that kind of speed. Uh, Jay Brooks has good speed. He's got football speed. He just seems to run away from people. But yeah, I, I would say Jonathan Brooks is more like a Dalvin Cook. I, I, I would say that bigger guy has a lot faster than you think. You know, bounces off guys like that. That's the cop for me. But hey, everybody has their own opinion. And yeah, I just, the Horns missed him, especially in the CFP semifinals. I mean, both running backs, C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue fumbled, and we were so confident, especially me. Like, I was so confident in the running game, which it was successful when they did it. You know, like, they were moving the ball, just those fumbles, you know, playing from behind. You couldn't really do what you wanted to do. You couldn't be on schedule like, as you would have liked. And you just would have think if Jonathan Brooks were there, would things have been different? You know, it's so easy to play the what-if game. But, yeah, I <laughs> – the dude was so special this year, man. Like, it was very impressive. Like, the offense ran through him. Like, it was stop Jonathan Brooks first – even with the prolific passing game that we saw at times with Adonai Mitchell, Xavier Wordy, Jordan Whittington, and JT Sanders, and then, you know, see what happens after that. But, yeah, Jonathan Brooks, he proved to everybody on that staff, oh, this guy, he's the man. 
this guy, he's going to be a Doak Walker award winner. And obviously the TCU game happened, but yeah, that dude, he, he had a hell of a season and I wish him nothing but the best. Yeah. I mean, you, you go back and look at it. He had the 14 carries for 57 yards against Alabama. A lot of that in the fourth quarter. And then he gets the, the, bulk of the load against Wyoming 21 carries 164 yards had a 61 yard run um and then as the season went on he added the receiving game you know five receptions against OU eight receptions against Houston um you know four receptions for 40 yards against BYU and the guy was big time. I mean, he had a he had a 73-yard reception against TCU. Crazy. So, yeah, there's a lot to like. He fumbled once um against Kansas State. It was his only fumble of the year. Um and and it was it was costly, but they got the they got the strip sack from Ethan Burke at the five that Brooks took in for a touchdown on the next play kind of equaled out. But yeah, I just, I just love Jonathan Brooks because he's so humble, you know, my, and he just knows one way, like he's not going to get deer in the headlights in the NFL. He's going to just do what he does, do what he's always done. He was a workhorse production machine at Hallettsville. He'll be a workhorse production machine, whether it's special teams, but I, I get a feeling and, and we're getting questions. When will he, you know, hit the field? It's typically a year. Um, it's kind of like a nine month um, slow build. And then, you know, three months of intensive. So, yeah, we, we saw Brees Hall this year for the Jets. I thought he looked good coming into his second season. The Jets were the Jets, so you can't blame Brees Hall for any of the lack of production that he got. But you saw Brees Hall at times break out, and you're like, okay, that dude, he's getting back to normal. And then Brees Hall just said on social media, like, yo, next year, that's going to be my Pro Bowl season. And y'all are going to continue to see me have Pro Bowl seasons after that because he knows – like you said, Chip, it does take a year after the ACL tear happens to do rehab and to not only get physically prepared, but also mentally prepared and have everything in line. And, you know, you might be healthy enough to play, but to get back to your old form, that's still going to take a little bit. So, yeah, just examples like that and modern medicine, where it is right now, like tearing your ACL, it's not as traumatic as it once was. So, yeah. Deck. At Hallettsville, he was the man. I think he's, like you said, Chip, he's so humble and just very confident within himself. You don't got to worry about all the demons that comes with 
being an NFL player because a lot comes with it. I mean, you play for those four months, that other eight months that you have time off, NFL coaches and GMs will tell you that's some of the scariest moments because you don't want to get that call. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Jonathan Brooks, he's not going to be one of those guys, like, at all. You know, he's cut from the same cloth as Roshan Johnson and Bijan Robinson when it comes to what he does off the field. And he's going to make Longhorn fans proud for the rest of his career. He's just built like that. And to go along with all the rest of the great running backs that have worn, uh, worn the burnt orange, he fits that mold, too. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, all you could do is wish him the best. And with the running backs that you have coming in and that are going to stay, like C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue, those guys are only going to get better. Jonathan Brooks, with the value that the running back is in the NFL, his time is now. This is a good move for him. All right. Ooh, Emmanuel. Hmm. That's pretty good, Emmanuel. I never thought about that, bro. What is the NFL comp for Jordan Whittington, Jay Witt? And Emmanuel Villafranco says, Julian Edelman. <laughs> Love the accent. <laughs> Julian Edelman. Let me, let me, let me oh, do man. Like, I feel like, I mean, that that's pretty head on because again you think about Julian Edelman, he was a quarterback in college, knew that that wasn't going to translate to the NFL, went to the perfect team that's going to give you a chance, especially if you buy into the grind and the dirty work like New England did because he was doing all that special team grind and stuff that Jordan Whittington for sure would do like easily like Jordan Winton, he wouldn't even bat an eye if you told him to play special teams. Like if he could have a 10 year career playing special teams, that guy would do that. Like that's how much he loves football. That's how dedicated to the game he is. And that's how good of a teammate he is also. So if he could, I like that comp, Emmanuel, if he could get into some organization as a special team guy and then build the trust and show what he could do, on the offensive side as a slot guy, a different wide receiver. Yeah, somebody's going to take a chance on him. I just hope it's the right fit. I hope somebody can really see what Jordan Whittington's all about and say, okay, that guy, we don't know exactly where we're going to put him, but he's an NFL player and he makes our team better. So whether he's the 51st man, 52nd or 53rd, it don't matter. I think he can help any ball club. Think about the Patriots, and we don't even know if Bill Bill Belichick's going to be back coaching the Patriots. But think of all the the guys, the Texas Longhorns, who've played for Bill Belichick, who might have kind of been underappreciated, from Brendan Schooler to Andrew Beck, little Jordan Humphrey spent some time in New England, uh, Malcolm Brown. I think if the Patriots, like if Bill Bal- if Bill Belichick is still the GM, they'll take a late flyer on a guy like Jordan Whittington. I don't think I don't think Jay Witt gets drafted before the fifth, sixth round, but he just needs to go to camp because he'll make a roster. Um, hell, he might even be in the seventh round because he was never the he was never wide receiver one 
he's he's a special teams guy. You're going to draft him late in the draft because he's going to be a really good special teamer for you. He can return. He can cover. He can tackle. And then just give him a chance because he will catch the crossing route. He will run the tough routes. He's a football player. And that's what I love when you ask, you know, Jordan Whittington, he's like, man, I'm just a football player. I've played everywhere. I played defense. He was the offense and defensive MVP of his state championship game, for God's sake. Yeah, that's a big reason why he was very injury prone once he got to the 40 acres. Like his body was so battered. (laughs) Like that's just, that's not as cool as it was, as much as a football player as he is. Ain't no way no 18-year-old could just do what he did at Cuero. And they played as many games as you could. They won state. So what's that, Chip? 15 games? Maybe 16? Yeah. Playing both sides, getting at least 25 touches a game. You know what I'm saying? Like that's – I don't give a damn if it's 4A, 3A, 1A, 6A. That's tough. And you felt that like, man, he's just – it's going to be tough for him to get healthy because of what he went through in high school. And when he finally did, man, it was a beautiful thing to see because, yeah, he's just – he plays the game the right way. You know, don't leave that ego at home. What does Greg Popovich always said? Leave that ego at home. We don't want to deal with that. You know what I'm saying? I love Steven Jackson. Steven Jackson, your ego's still here? Be gone. Kawhi Leonard, love you too. You going to the Hall of Fame? Your ego's still here? Be gone. Like I thought, well, I don't want to get a sidetrack, but I thought Pop's ego went sideways on Kawhi. Because uh, Kawhi didn't trust the Spurs medical staff and training staff. And Pop was like, how dare you? And yeah. then started sending his minions out to question Kawhi. And Kawhi's like, I'm done. Yeah, a little me, bit. Then Tony go Parker. Win a for the Toronto Raptors. Pop. See, what's crazy, that story's come up again because LaMarcus, Longhorn legend LaMarcus Aldridge, he was on that Up in Smoke podcast with Matt Barnes and Steven Jackson, and they asked him about what happened. And LaMarcus, you know, he's still – we know LaMarcus. He's a class act. You know, he's not going to – Steven Jackson, he don't give a damn. He's already burned the bridges in San Antonio. LaMarcus is like, I still know people there. I still live in Texas. I'm going to be respectful. And Steven Jackson was like, nah, this is what happened. Tony Parker came out and was talking crazy about how I had the same injury as Kawhi, and Kawhi didn't like that. Tony Parker was like, I'm playing. Why ain't he? And Kawhi was like, I ain't trying to hear that stuff. So so I'm gone. I'm gone. And yeah, man, like you said, Raptors getting that ring there. And man. Yeah, CB, the greatest uh, volunteer producer in the history of radio, points out Adrian Phillips, Calvin Anderson, and Schooler currently on the Patriots. I think he would be. I think Jay Witt would be perfect because you got to have an organization that appreciates all of his different talents and doesn't just want the wow factor and doesn't look beneath the surface at a guy who's going to grind. The other thing I'll say about Jordan Whittington that I really respect because Jay Witt, obviously moving on um, in addition to Jonathan Brooks and 
feel free to fire your questions at us about Jonathan Brooks or your comments because um, we're giving JB his love. Um, my man Hank South over at Horns 24-7 uh, breaking the news that he will turn pro. I have since confirmed that. So um, big props to Jonathan Brooks for putting himself in that position. But Jordan Whittington was not taking care of his body. He was not eating right. He loved his pints of ice cream. He'll tell you that. And, and so he kept getting busted up. Well, then he said, okay, I'm going to do all the extra. I'm going to come in early. I'm going to do the stretch. I'm going to do the hot and cold tubs. I'm going to do the extra hour of prep just to get ready for practice. He be, he made it a ritual. He never had any issues after that. And other players, like I think CJ Baxter has taken after Jay Witt and, and, taking care of his body and making sure that he's doing all the extra because that's what it takes. And if you talk to Emmett Smith, Emmett Smith was unbelievable about the things that he did. He was ahead of his time in terms of the back massage, the chiropractor, the yoga, all the extra work you had to put in to make sure that your body was ready. Mahomes does it. If you watch the quarterback, he's he's got a trainer who works his ass off starting on Tuesdays of every week during the season to get his body back and revved and ready to go for the following Sunday. So I give Jordan Whittington a lot of credit because he was close to giving it up. Right. He was close to giving it up. He was like, man. I don't know. I don't know if this is for me. And then boom, he put in the extra time, put in the extra work, his body held up. He fell back in love with the game. And now I'm hoping the best for him. You know, he, he'll get a great opportunity at the senior bowl. That was a big deal. Steve Sarkeesian announced it. He never announces that kind of stuff for other players. The reason he did it is because Jordan Whittington was selfless. He didn't care about how many catches he had. He came back hoping to win a big 12 championship. And guess what he did? And he blocked and he did whatever he had to do. He didn't, he wasn't the focal point of the offense, but he did what he had to do. And I'm sure Sark put in some good words for Jordan Whittington to get into the senior bowl. And he did, he got that invite and it was a big deal. And Sark announced it to the whole team. There were tears for that guy. And um, and, Look what Sark did with Jonathan Brooks. Told the team on the Thursday before the Big 12 title game. When we win this game, Jonathan Brooks will be on the field with us. Jonathan Brooks was in sweats for the first half. Came out in his, you know, full uniform and was lined up behind Arch Manning on the victory formation that ended the game. Arch turned around, flipped him the ball, gave him a hug, the whole team. You know, that that's that's good stuff. And I asked the Texas PR staff, I'm like, did y'all put that in Sark's head? And they're like, no, no. That was all Sark. I mean, no PR 
team is going to tell a coach what to do about putting a player on the field. And so big ups to Sark for that too. And maybe you're right, Zay, when JB went down, maybe the, the willingness to go off script and just pound the rock, which I absolutely say Texas should have done. Their running game was good enough. And, and this is what I'm most conflicted about when I look at the Washington-Michigan matchup. I think Penix is a total assassin. I think he can beat any team secondary. And Michigan has a better secondary than Texas. And But I think Michigan's going to run it. And they're going to run it and run it and run it. And they're not going to waver. And if they can possess the ball and they can run it, I still think it'll be a close game. But I'm so, like, my gut says Washington. Michigan made a mess of special teams. They couldn't they couldn't hit extra points. They're muffing kicks. I mean, I'm like, did Michigan practice? <laughs> but they the nerves, man. The nerves. Yeah. They get some they people. They sacked Melrose well, five times in the first half. Yeah. And they can run the ball with Blake Corum. So I can't wait for that game. Wish uh wish I wish we were all in Houston. I know, man. Love me some H Town, but hey, what can you do? And as far as Michael Penix goes, like as what Dad said yesterday is absolutely true. There are some things that Terrence Brooks, Ryan Watts, Malik Murphy, Gavin Holmes, all the secondary. They were in the right spot. Didn't matter. Just put it in the bread basket. Put it on the money. What can you do about that? You know, the I'm only saying? one that I didn't like and I felt like there was miscommunication was what the 19 yard post touchdown in the third quarter. Derek Williams is signaling to Jade Barrett. Like it, it was tough. I, you know, it's you don't know. You're just as coaches, you're trying to put the best combinations out there. And Derek Williams obviously was aware of what was coming. You could see he was signaling before that post route broke. But Jade had kind of drifted over toward Adunze. And then when, you know, when that post route broke, Jade was late coming back over. That was the one that could have been avoided. The others where Watts and Brooks were stride for stride with the receiver. I mean, Watts could have turned around on that sideline route to a Dunze because um, he just had his hand in the wrong place. But the other passes that beat Watts and Brooks were perfect. Yeah. That post route, Texas screwed up. They threw a fade to Bernard with Ryan Watts covering him. Bernard was in the slot. And Penix threw it on his outside shoulder, outside the numbers, to where Bernard, again, Watts is on his right side, so he threw it to the left side. Bernard jumped to turn around to catch it. Like, it was a tough catch, pretty great catch, but it just shows how athletic those wide receivers are. But Michael Penix put it where nobody could get it besides his player. And he just kept doing that over and over. And yes, there might have been a couple of miscommunication scenarios, but that a lot of that just has to do with the pick your poison type situation. 
You know what I'm saying? Like, you say John A. Barron was looking at Roma Doomsday. Why wouldn't he be? You know, like, Bell Capper Jr. has that dude, the second pick wide receiver in this year's draft. Top 10 type shit. Getting Jamar Chase comparisons. Hell yeah, I'm looking at him. Hell yeah, sometimes I might go off script, you know, just because you want to stay, in, you know, within the strategy, obviously. But sometimes you feel like, okay, I've seen this before. He's so good. I got to do certain things just to give me an upper hand. And now you put your team in a bad situation because you've taken upon yourself to go, you know, out of character or out of the norm of what you're used to doing or what's set up to do. And yeah, that's just Washington, man. They're just so good overall. It has guys guessing and that's why they're undefeated up to this point. Yeah. And, and I'll give love to Michael Taft again, Michael Taft, third highest rated defensive player for Texas in the, in the sugar bowl had the only pass breakup was throwing his body around, making tackles. And I thought he, Thought he played a good game and little disappointed in in a couple of the, you know, I mean, I hate to say this because I love John A. Barron, but five of his worst performances have come in the last six games. And I don't know what's going on because he's normally so locked in. He knows what's coming. And these last few games it looks like he's had stuff on his mind I don't know he was slow to react on stuff and he had the great play on third and third and four where they tried to give him the first down the pass to McMillan and he stopped him a yard short um unfortunately Washington freaking went for it from their own 33 and got it on on fourth and one um that was a gutsy call at that time of the game. Yeah, because they were trying to get Texas to jump. They called the timeout, came back out there, then got it. That was so deflating. That, that's a really deflating play. Because, again, when they call the timeout, you're thinking, yeah, they're going to punt. They're on their own 33. Kalen DeBoer and Ryan Grubbs said, all right, watch us whip this shit out. And <laughs> went with something different. And, yeah, like Dylan Johnson gets the first down. It's just – Wow. Yeah. Which that, that's going to be something to watch for, too. You know, like he was hurt in that late fourth quarter. And if he, he said yesterday, hurt, he said yesterday he's going to play. Oh, yeah. Okay. Don't mean he's good enough to play. Don't mean he should be playing. JT Sanders, Red River shootout. A lot of guys want to play because they think that, oh, I'm never going to have this chance again. And that's probably true. But. Sometimes you become a liability just because you want to play, you know, and maybe Kalen DeBoer, he sees that. Maybe he doesn't. I don't know. All right. What's, what's, what's CB asking us here? Where were you 18 years ago today, Zay? What day was that? 18 years ago today. What day was this the brawl in the palace or something? Uh, I don't know. Because what's that, 2004? Or no, that's not right. 2020, 2006? Oh, oh, hello. Oh. 
national okay. championship, right? Oh, that I was, was on the trip. Oh, five. Okay. Rose Bowl. Yeah. Rose Bowl. Yeah. I was at the crib, freshman in high school. 41 38. Uh, yeah. Watching it with the parents. The parents were locked in because obviously the Griffin brothers, Michael and Marcus, Bowie alums, we all know my relationship with Mike. And yeah, we wanted to see what those guys were going to do. I will always say this and go to my grave saying this. Michael Griffin has the greatest interception in Texas football history. I will stand on that. Somebody can find me something else that meant more in a bigger situation. Let me know. But till then, I'm going to stand on that. As much shit as he gives me, as much shit as I give him, I love that dude. And a big part is because of that interception right there. That was as big as it gets. But yeah, man, was at the crib, chilling, watching the game. Went to school the next day, had my very hot Spanish teacher, 25 years old, gush over Matt Liner. Knew for sure that I never had a chance with her once I got out of high school because I knew her type. I ain't no Matt Liner. <laughs> and, yeah, that's that's how that went down. You were there, though, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And since you will not text Griff – and ask him to come on the show. I'll text him. Who said I wouldn't text him? Oh, you will? Yeah. You want to text him or me? I mean, we can both text him. We can be in a group chat text. Sure right, we I'm have that. I, I got it. I'm almost done typing it. All right. Yeah, let him know. But, um, yeah, man, that's <sighs> great times, man. Great times. I mean, a thing that always sticks out to me that I just learned this year doing the show with you is the fact that besides Brian Robinson, they had no injuries that year. Like that is some of the luckiest shit I've ever heard in my life. Like the, and, and again, that was an era. This ain't that little touch football shit that you see now at times where you can't hit anybody and Ryan Watts gets penalized for Going low on a guy, even though he went in this mix section, the dude's six foot seven. What do you want Ryan Watts to do? Like, it's not that era. So, to have no injuries, yeah, man, that's special. That was a special year when everything went right. You know what I'm saying? So, oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Man, the, today the Griffin's birthday, I didn't know that. Oh, CB's on that. CB is on that. Yeah. I mean, folks, we got to take a moment and we got to, we got to pay some love to 18 years ago today, fourth and five, the national championship on the line. Vince Young scores. Mm. Sean Adams always used to say, Keith Jackson sounds heartbroken. <laughs> he's making that call because he was such a Pac-12 homer. Mm. Tough titty. That is tough. But the fact that Keith Jackson was calling that game makes it even more badass. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he was heartbroken. He was heartbroken. That's what he gets. That's why at that position, you should never be a homer, man. You know what I'm saying? I. 
going back to what we said earlier about Steve Sarkeesian's decision to have Keelan Robinson. Oh, and Steve Sarkeesian was on the other sideline. That's what I'm saying. What I don't know what's worse, having oh. Reggie Bush on the sideline for that play on the goal line or Keelan Robinson with a club freaking hand returning kicks twice and bobbling that thing twice. I really don't know. Sorry. Or not running it more. Well, uh, that's – That was the key. You're right, you're right but, like, you know – both guys fumbled, blue and yeah, but CJ fumbled. So it's kind of like he tried to. Like if those on. guys didn't fumble, we're talking about we're previewing Michigan in this game. On hold Monday. on, hold the phone, because my issue was not abandoning the script when you're averaging six, seven, eight yards of carry. You're averaging. You averaged seven yards a carry on first down. 17 carries for 114 yards throughout the game. So don't throw it on first down until they show they can stop it. Because if you miss on first down, it's second and 10. And then Braylon Trice is hunting your ass down. And if they would have, if Sark would have just said, you know what? Let me put my script down for a second. And let's just keep running split zone to CJ and... Jaden Blue, until they show us they can stop it, like go old school Steve Spurrier. Like, I'm going to run this play until you stop it, and then I'm going to run it to the other side until you stop it. And then I'm going to run the counter off of it until you stop it and embarrass you and humiliate you. And Dan Neal totally agreed with us yesterday. And Dan Neal I trust because Dan Neal rarely ever goes, uh, you know, against – the head coach, he he's respectful and all that, and he was very respectful. If you missed that interview, you need to go to the podcast page and check it out. Dan Neal yesterday in the uh, 2 o'clock hour, he was phenomenal, and he said, you just run. At that point, when you are getting holes the size of the Superdome, you just keep running it until they stop it, until they adjust. and." And Dan pointed out, rightfully so, guess what? You run it enough, your safeties start to come up. And your play action is better. Yeah. And and that's that was, yeah. Yeah, that, that was a bit confusing, but they were still tied 21 up going into half. Yeah, you but if I'm they saying? were running it, they might have been up 21-7. Penix wouldn't have been true. on the field for all that. True. That is true. Yeah, And people are hearing me say that, and they're like, what are you kidding? Texas was lucky to be in the game. No, it could have been different is what I'm saying. Like, quit trying to throw it. Quit trying to – like, Kalen DeBoer apparently told some of the Washington reporters before the game, Sark's not going to be patient enough. He's going to want to take his deep shots. And he he was right. Yeah. And that that hurts. That's hard because Sark is usually patient. And that goes back to the point, like, did he truly believe in C.J. Baxter and Jaden Blue in a game like this? It's one thing in the Big 12, but do you believe it against a team the caliber of Washington that you could stick with that run game and those guys won't muck up? 
And yeah, he didn't prove that at all. Like that's, you kept going back to the Kansas game, which was probably the best overall performance of the year where it was just running game. They couldn't stop it, drive it down their throat. And yeah. They, they each had only had nine yeah. carries. That's pitiful. Who? Blue and Baxter both had nine carries for the game. Mm. That's, yeah, that's weird. That's awful. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're right, Zay. It makes you wonder if if Sark trusted one or the other. And what's crazy is CJ had 20 carries against Iowa, Iowa State for over 100 yards. And Blue had, I don't know how many carries he had, but he had way over 100 yards against Texas Tech. And then um, whatever they wanted to do against Oklahoma State. But yeah, that that is weird because again, you have thirty days. Why are you overthinking it? You know what I'm saying? And then it goes back to the script stuff. Like I can't stand when they talk about that. That's why I always say after the first drive, you could you should as a head coach have a feel for the game and see what they're throwing. Like Sark, he said those comments earlier in the year twice. Chip, they showed us something on the field that we didn't see on film. And it's like, bro, you're getting paid way too much paper to be saying dumb shit like that. Cause that's what coaching is. That's what it is. Like that. That's what they do. Your talent. You have Texas talent, five-star talent. So these opposing coaches that don't, they got to scrap and grind and go completely against the grain and their philosophy sometimes to stop you. It just is what it is. So they, they're going to show you something that you haven't seen before. That is coaching. I'm a coach's son. I saw my dad deal with that whole career. Like, hey, we, I remember practicing stuff for like the boxing one. I'm like, CeCe, is anybody going to play us in the boxing one? And he would tell me, you can never be too prepared. And I'd be like, all right, like playing a triangle in two. That sounds nuts, but whatever. And he was right. We go into some random tournaments. One of our players lights it up. They go boxing one. Like, that happens. You gotta be prepared as a coach. And sometimes you gotta Kobe that script in the trash can and say, all right, this is what they're showing us. And that's where your assistants have to be big too. Like if you're AJ Milwe, if you're Kyle Flood, if you're Chris Jackson, hey Sark, they're doing this. We should do that. And you hired those guys so you could believe them and listen to them. Some coaches that. are ignorant enough to be like, nah, coach, I'm not trying to hear what you're saying. And the best coaches say, you know what, assistant coach, you know what, offensive line coach, I hear you. You're right. Let's do it. That's Sark wasn't that's, doing that. That's shame great, on him. That's a great point, Zay. And it's the same question I was asking after the Oklahoma State game a year ago when they kept having Quinn throw it. It was 19 of 49. And they were averaging six yards of carry on the ground and had two drives in the fourth quarter that started off averaging six and a half a carry and 11 yards a carry. And they abandoned the run and started throwing it and ended up with a field goal. Jesus. And, and that, so let me, let me run this by you. I just pulled up the stats. So Texas ran it 18 times in the first half against Washington for 116 yards. That's 6.4 a carry. They threw it 18 times. And completed nine, 97 yards passing. 
Washington ran it 16 times in the first half. Did it feel like they ran it 16 times? Not at all. That's how little Texas was running the ball. And they were not holding on to the football. They got beat in the time of possession game, 946 to 514 in the second quarter. And that stuff added up, man. In the third quarter, Washington had the ball 12 minutes and 39 seconds of the 15 minutes. Texas ran it three times. Oh, they averaged 9.7 a carry, but they only ran it three times. I didn't get it. I I don't get it either. And another thing that's disturbing, Chip, Greg McElroy, he said it during the broadcast of the game. You know, I couldn't hear it, obviously, because we were at the game. But then I rewatched it yesterday. He said that, you know, Sark on the first drive and stuff, he likes to script his plays out to where almost everybody gets a touch, you know, so they could get acclimated and get a good feel for the game and get into a rhythm. No, that I, I don't like that. I, I don't like that at all. Because, again, that goes back to, okay, are you doing what the defense gives you? Or are you doing what Kalen DeBoer knows what you're going to do and not be patient because you want everybody to eat? Sorry, some people are going to starve some games. It just is what it is. If you want to win, ask Jordan Winnington. There were times Jordan Winnington didn't touch the ball. And then there were games like Oklahoma. Jordan Winnington didn't sulk and stuff. If you have players like that on the squad, then we need a culture check. You know, if, if Sark, if you have that need where you feel like if I don't get these guys involved early, they might start hanging their head and getting, you know, pouty. Then what? That just confuses me. Then why you need everybody to get in the rhythm instead of taking what the defense gives you, like running the ball. Because I'd say, hey, fellas, y'all are going to get into Let's We're going to run the ball. I'll let all the receivers know. I'd let Chris Jack, hey, can you tell the receivers we're running the ball right now and it's going to make the passing game look a lot easier later on because, as you said, those safeties are going to come up due to running the football. A.D. Mitchell didn't catch a pass until the third quarter. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what are we doing? Yeah. Pass, pass, yeah. pass, pass, pass. And they can't get the ball to A.D. Mitchell yeah. until the second half, till the third quarter. By then, they could have softened that defense up so much. Body blows, man. Body blows. Christian Jones, he said it, man. When we get downhill running, it's like we're delivering body blows to the ribs, and they're starting to bend over, and then we whap them with the uppercut like Tyson. Tyson hits you with that left-handed liver shot, and then that uppercut, you're done. They were they could have been delivering liver shots. That's how I do it, man. That's how I pray to a lot. You know, you know, that's how I do. You know, my taking greatest ever, greatest of all time. My rhymes are impeccable. (laughs) (laughs) I do a horrible Tyson, man. That goes back to my days at the horn. I got a horrible Tyson, which that's a good Tyson. We need we need more oh, Tyson. Man, I mean, what do you say? This is preposterous. Chip. Come Sark, on, Sark. Sark, running the ball is preposterous. Come on, Thark. <laughs> Deliver that little shot. Run the ball. I mean, oh man. Oh lordy, lordy, lordy. God, that, I mean this 
that's my haunting. Uh, that's my reach for the toms about this game. Yes, Penix was on fire. Yes, those receivers were on fire. Yes, Braylon Trice was on fire. But Texas left their best bullets in the gun. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, you, you, you do. Chance, like, I have a feeling that Michigan is just going to pound it. Right. And keep Penix off the field. And I don't, I think Washington's the better team. They got nine six year guys, you know, working Penix and Jack Westover and Braylon Trice and Dylan Johnson plays on one leg. That dude wants it so bad. It's spinal. Oh, yeah. That's, that's the best. Spinal. spinal. <laughs> My back is broken. <laughs> what do spinal. you mean by spinal? <laughs> spinal. I mean, Texas could have made Washington say it's spinal. Gosh, man. Oh, and then, yeah, my man, David. Oh, the red zone issues at the worst possible time. Uh, And it wasn't just those four plays. It was the three plays from the 13 on the previous drive before the field, 25-yard field goal. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Second and four from the seven. Third and four. From the seven, and Quinn had one of what his fifth pass batted at the line on second and four and third and four. They couldn't get it to AD Mitchell. And God bless Quinn if he threw a back shoulder on that last pass. Texas wins the game. It's crazy. It's crazy. It is, man. You know, I. Even worse was watching the Jordan Winnington video this morning. That that was a tough one to watch. Like I had to bite the lip. Like yo, man, I'd say you come on, dog. You tough. Don't cry. Don't cry because you could see it in Jay Witt's face how tough making that video was. You could just see it. it took everything out of for him not to break down. And you're like, yo, man, you love this school. Like, you are the perfect teammate, the perfect person. Like, it's just. Dude, he gave up his number to a freshman because the freshman has the nickname C4. And Jay Witt, we were like, did did he give you some NIL money for that? And he's like, no. He's like, it meant more to him than it did to me. It's amazing. That's crazy that a fifth-year senior is going to give up his number to a freshman because it Yo, means more to him. Jimmy Clarson, you remember weak-ass Jimmy Clarson that went to Notre Dame? He had that weird, just looked like yeah. a slow Chad Michael Murray face. That dude was willing to give Cam Newton, when Cam Newton first got to Carolina, like over seven figures for his number. <laughs> and Cam was like, "Yo, you can have it." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, there's some guys that like that just are very foul about. Clawson wanted two that bad. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, and, and he paid. Uh, it's probably petty because Cam's coming in to take his spot. Like, this isn't like a normal, you know, running back giving it to a quarterback. Like, you're literally coming in to take my job, and and you want my number. Jimmy Claus is like, no, nah, I'm getting something out of this. I'm leaving with something. Denzel Washington, I'm leaving with something. You know, and but Clawson and- paid Cam. No, 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 no. Clawson had the number originally at Carolina. Oh, Clawson had number one? Two. 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 
Two. Yeah. Cam, yeah then, Cam was wearing two in Auburn. Yeah. And, uh, and then and then Cam and then changed to number one. He ended up, yeah, Cam became number one because he wasn't trying to pay Jimmy Cross. <laughs> so yeah, that's Jordan Winnington. He's a special one. Those guys don't come around very often. And I'm glad the guys that are there are that are gonna stay saw what Jordan Winnington brought to the program so they could add that to their game. Whatever it may be, you know what I'm saying? Like his effort on the field, his leadership off, you know, him just being cool in the locker room, et cetera. You need to add what Jordan Winnington did to anyone's game because they could benefit from it. And yeah, he's lifetime Longhorn and the guy that Longhorn fans will always remember. Yeah, man. Um, okay, maybe you need to text Mike. You need to text Griff. Oh man, I sent him the link. All he's got to do is tap on it. Just tell oh, him. Yeah, yeah. So you talking about day of stuff? Yeah, he ain't gonna do that. He's like, you know, we're just kid. trying to celebrate him. Yeah, if it's his birthday, we got to give him the benefit of the doubt too. Because you know, what tell is him it? we want to wish you a happy birthday. We only need five minutes. <clears throat> <laughs> hey, real quick. Yo, Mike's might be 40. So that's yeah, he ain't I know. I'm I think it's the 40th birthday for them. So I, I he's probably turning up. Yeah. All right, we'll give him the benefit. Um, hey, love to the sponsors. Cover three. All the all the incredible teammates of ours who sent my man Zay, myself. All the fellas from Texas Sports Unfiltered down to Nolens for the Sugar Bowl. What a great experience. Zay had a blast. I dragged him to some bootleg jank party. But by God, he got three free drinks out of it. So don't, don't say I didn't give you nothing. Uh, but, man, Hoops ATX, my man Mikey G, I cannot – Say enough good things about Hoops ATX and Mikey G. He is so customer service. He's so about you. And he can put in that in-ground basketball goal for your kids so they can dunk as they grow up. It's adjustable. And as they grow, you keep moving. The goal, so easy to, you know, move up and down. That's what's so great about the basketball goals from Hoops ATX. But he can put in an entire sport court for you um pickleball i mean whatever you want hoopsatx.com don't give your kids video games give them a reason to go outdoors and get some exercise with an in-ground basketball goal there's only one person to call and that is mike gonzalez we call him gonzo hoopsatx.com cover three doug young matt dodson um uh, awesome. I mean, high end food and the ultimate place to watch your favorite team. Look, the weekend's coming up. Make your plans now. The brunch, unbelievable. The do it yourself Bloody Mary bar, but everything on the menu is money. Every single thing, including the Sean Adams prime rib sandwich, cover three in Round Rock, cover three on Anderson Lane, cover two on. 183 in Lake Creek, um, Hat Creek, Drew Gressett, 
My man started Hack Creek out of a food truck after helping to Texas, you know, make the final four in 03. Uh, the basketball team at Creek, I think it's the best chicken sandwich you're going to get in a drive through establishment. And uh, man, audiovisual consultations and Apple leasing. We love Apple leasing. New year. How about a new car? You know what I'm saying? They get you any make and model of car, 346-9977. You're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. Domino's Pizza. I mean, thank you all. We love you. We love you. Brain Vault, mouth guards. How about a new year and a new mouth guard? Protect your competitors, whether they're playing lacrosse, cheerleading, brainvault.com. Patented, proven to reduce the effects of concussion. Brainvault.com. They'll do group fittings. They'll come to you. Just set it up at brainvault.com. All right, Zay. We're going to talk to our man, Stretch, at 2.30. Obviously, we've been talking a lot about Jonathan Brooks. Uh, my man, Hank South, over at Horns 24-7, breaking the news that he will turn pro. Uh, Xavier Worthy has announced that he is turning pro. I think everyone, if you read the insider at Horns 24-7 this morning, it sure sounds like Chris Jackson thinks A.D. Mitchell's turning pro. Oh, yeah. Because he said, he said, we got to replace the production of our top three receivers. We, he said, we got to replace everything but eight catches from John T. Cook. Woo! Yeah, I don't know, Mitchell. Bye. See you, you later. Earned you earned it. You earned it. You earned it. You know, I've had so many coaches say he is money. Oh, my gosh. Like, he is so far and away the best receiver on the Texas roster right now. No offense to Xavier Worthy, because Xavier Worthy can get open against just about anyone with that lightning quickness at the top of his route. He gets separation at the break. That's that's going to get you hired in the NFL. Then he's got to then he's got to make catch after catch after catch. Yeah, you know those drops got to go away. Yeah, I think Adonai Mitchell could do exactly what George Pickens is doing in the NFL or T. Higgins. Like, I think he has that ability as one of those young, just bigger receivers that has great route running and solid speed. You know, that's going to translate to the NFL. And that he just – talk about a great person also. Like, this team has a lot of just really good culture – like very classy guys. I mean, if you transfer from a two-time national championship school because you want to be by family, you know what I'm saying? Like that shows the kind of person you are. Obviously, Texas has the resources that Georgia has too, probably a little bit more in, you know, different parts. But like A.D. Mitchell, he could have easily stayed at Athens, you know, and been a part of, that really good team that went to the SEC championship. But he said, no, I'm going to bet on myself. I want to be by my daughter. I want to be by my parents close to Houston where I'm from. And I believe in Steve Sarkeesian and this offense to get me to the next level. I mean, even though he had all those touchdowns with Georgia in the college football playoff due to injury and just, you know, a different offense, he didn't get the looks that he probably would have wanted to put him in the position that he is now to where he'll 
probably be drafted maybe late in the first round, early in the second round. So, yeah, a guy that bet on himself and a guy that I wish that we had more than one year because this one year that he had was absolutely special. All right, Griff says he's busy moving. Okay. Where's he moving to? I don't know, man. I hope he's moving to Circle C, back where, you know, he's from. Or Shady Hollow, get that kid at Bowie. Can't believe he has that kid at Lake Travis. Man, he's a Bowie alum. How disrespectful. So disrespectful. You know what I'm saying? But it's his birthday. I let him live. I let him live. I mean, yeah, no. Um, and by the way, I guess Pete Thamel is late to the party. He's like, breaking news, Byron Murphy turning pro. I'm like, dude, we've been reporting for over a week that Byron Murphy accepted his senior bowl invitation. He gone. Yeah, he's gone. He's Come gone. on, man. That was, that was the first guy we said was gone. Um, Okay. Look at the text, Zay. I don't know. I don't know where that is. You know where that is? I don't. Do you? No, I don't. Um, So, yeah, Byron Murphy, we knew that one. The big news was Alfred Collins. It's in Lake Travis, by the way. Rough, rough hollow. Okay. Um, You know, we reported yesterday. Two days ago? I don't know. I can't remember. The days are all run together. I didn't get home till one in the morning, Zay. So Damn. Just, let me sidetrack. We'll get to a, a Albert Collins and uh Byron Murphy. But so the first flight we could get out of New Orleans, well, in time for me to be able to do the show yesterday was 7:45 at night. And it was not a direct. Had to go through Dallas. I don't know what the hell was going on in Austin last night, but seven flights arrived at the same time. We sat on the tarmac until after midnight. Jeez. You'd have thought it was rush hour at midnight last night on a Wednesday night at the Austin airport. The bags... Our bags didn't come out for an hour. Wow. Sat on the tarmac for 30 minutes. Bags didn't come out for an hour. My son, God bless him, was kind enough to come pick us up. I said, just our bags, just be there at midnight. Like we're supposed to get in at 1145. We didn't have our bags until 130. Damn. It was a mess. I don't know what's going on with the Austin airport, but folks, you got to, you don't know. Some days you just cruise right in. No problem. Other days you're like, what is happening? But anyway, so I'm a little delirious, but um, back to Alfred Collins. We uh, reported Alfred Collins expected to return. And that was such big news because Byron Murphy is leaving. And we reported that like two days ago. But um, that's that to me. You know, there's Quinn. Quinn's stay or go decision. I think Quinn is coming back. But he's got to make it official. 
Um, we know uh, that Byron Murphy's moving on. So that makes Alfred Collins, to me, the second biggest stay or go decision. And you could argue who would be the third, Jonathan Brooks? Yeah. Or or do you feel good enough? I mean, I think we feel good enough about Jaden Blue and CJ Baxter being yes. coached by Deshard Choice that they can pick up the load. I think I think Jonathan Brooks is special. Mm-hmm. And 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 you're probably right, Zay. I mean, if Jonathan Brooks is healthy for the Sugar Bowl, maybe Sark does come off his script and he's running it. Nine times with Jonathan Brooks in the first half, not the whole game. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. We'll never know. Something that you threw at me yesterday that now I'm really paying attention to because there was a point of the time where I thought this guy was for sure gone, and that's John A. Barron. Like, with the, I guess, lack of production that he's had these last few games, I mean, him as a guy that, struggles is still a lot better than other guys around college football just because you know we hold him to such a high standard I mean his whole career at Texas he's been solid but it just seemed like this year for sure he'd be gone and you got Andrew Makuba coming back or uh, coming to Texas from Clemson he's an Austin kid him and Jade they go back and I know Jade he's probably thinking man if I could put up some better film than I did last year. Again, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't as good as 2022. You know, he wasn't as good as he was in 2022. That's just a fact, even though he, he led the good. team in tackles for loss in 2022. Yeah. That's yeah. how good he was defending that bubble screen. Yeah. And that that's the thing. Like if he kind of sees the writing on the wall as, okay, I'm an undersized cornerback if I go on this draft, I have a huge possibility of not getting drafted at all. Yes, he could play the free agency game, but if you could come back another year for Texas, he has eligibility, right? Like one yeah. year? Yeah, you could come back one year in the SEC with everything that he knows and all the other cornerbacks that are coming in, you know, Xavier Filsamy and Kobe Black, I just mentioned uh, Makuba, et cetera. This could still be a very solid secondary with him coming back. Even with all the woes that they had this year, I would like that. I really would. Jaron Thompson, too. Like, people are asking about Jaron Thompson. I wouldn't mind him coming back either. You know what I'm saying? Like, just more experience. I expect those guys to get better, not worse. I wouldn't say Johnny Barron necessarily got worse. It's just that year he had in 22 was just so good. I think it just overshadows the year he had this year in a way. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I, I'd i take 23 with open arms, and hopefully if he does come back, we can hear that decision somewhat soon. All right, here's Jade Barron in 2022, okay? 78 tackles, 11 and a half tackles for loss, led the team. Uh, one sack, two interceptions. He had two touchdowns. He had a pick six and a scoop and score. He had the only Texas touchdown in the TCU game last year. He had um, uh, two interceptions. I think I mentioned that. Okay, so 
78 tackles, 11 and a half for loss in 2022. Here's Jade Barron in 2023. 61 tackles, 15 less, four and a half tackles for loss, seven less. Last year, he had a sack. He had no sacks. This year, he had one interception against Alabama, big one. Um, one less interception than last year and six pass breakups, one less than last year. Um, one fumble recovery. And he did not score a touchdown no. this year. So I thought you could have made an argument last year for Jade Barron as Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, Jalen Ford was ridiculous. Four interceptions, forced fumble, fumble recovery, all at big moments. Um, so... I mean, Jalen Ford deserved it, but you could make an argument and not get laughed out of the room for Jody Barron this year. It, it feels like the second half of his season, he had something on his mind. Like he's such a quick study. He sees stuff. I just, it's painful to watch that 19 yard post touchdown by Washington. Cause that was the one play against the safeties where they were not in sync. They were not passing guys off. And, and it looked like Derek Williams saw the formation and was like, Hey, this, this could be coming our way. And it's going to happen right in the middle of the field where we both, you know, where I have to pass him to you. Cause I got two receivers on my side. You got one. And anyway, I just think back to the Arkansas game in 2021 when B.J. Foster, old five-star B.J., played like a three-star. Oh, oh witness. He said he had the interception in the third quarter against Arkansas, and he was like, yeah, man, uh, little little uh, dude, John A. Barron, tipped me off on that. Said, like, right before the play, hey, man, it's coming to you. And sure enough, it did. Yeah, I mean, Jade was he was always ahead, man. He he knew what was coming. You got to have guys like that, preferably. Well, remember, Chip, huh? Well, remember, Chip, like he didn't play. He wasn't supposed to play in that Houston game. Right. Like he was hurt. I don't know what right. it was exactly, but ankle. he wasn't supposed to play. It was his ankle. And they said, if we are desperate, we're throwing you in there. And they were desperate because he went they, in there taped and up. made the play. Yeah. At and almost Get made the up. player of the game. Exactly. Yep. So if that lingered or something, I don't know. Like you never want to speculate, but 2022 to 2023, vastly different. So that does make me think, man, was he just gimpy all year and he's so damn tough. He's not going to bitch about it. He's not going to mention it. You know, I mean, Xavier Worthy from freshman year to sophomore year, we found out dude had a broken hand a lot of that season in 2022. So his freshman year to a junior year, they're very different than what his sophomore year looked like. You know what I'm saying? But we never knew because Xavier Worthy wasn't talking. He wasn't bitching. He wasn't, you know, making that an excuse. 
if that I feel like that could easily be the case for John A. Barrett, especially if you think back to that U of H game where he wasn't supposed to play at all. But Dave at ATX, I'm right there with you, my guy. Like Malik Muhammad, John A. Barrett, Derek Williams, plus the incoming freshman. You got to think about Jalen Gilbo getting some more love. Like they they got some dudes, man. They got some dudes in that secondary. Sark knows that was the weak spot this year. And I think they've, they're they bringing in Andrew Makuba. You know, I expect him to be solid. You know what I'm saying? Obviously, I, I'm going to have UTSD know, from Jalen Catalan, but. I know people are dumping on Terrence Brooks. I like Terrence Brooks. Terrence so Brooks man. is going to be fine. In fact, I, just, I dumped on him a little bit. I'll admit. Well, he had, a, he had a tough go, man. He, he, he got, he got beat on two dimes and then he had the PI and I, you know, people are like, Oh, Terrence Brooks. Okay. Well, he got beat by two dimes and instead of giving up a touchdown, he, he took his medicine and, you know, yeah. took the penalty. Still don't like I how like he Terrence reacted when the Horns got in the college football playoff. I, that will always bug me. You know, that, that, that's weird. I, I was trying but to say I he was. Like- Kind of focus. Sure. <laughs> sure. Like, <laughs> hey, it's okay to be a little nervous. You have that photo on bootleg just sitting there, don't you? Oh, always. Like, you can pull it up right now. Oh, yeah. You can, pull, you can pull that up in like probably 20 seconds or less. Easy. So, Easy. Terrence Brooks. I like him, but here's the thing, man, they got to get, they got to get dudes who can get right up and jam these dudes, man, because you can't be waiting and Washington's receivers are so good at the line. They did get separation. Even when Texas was pressing, Texas didn't get a hand on them. Mm. That cannot happen. So, listen, second, third-year corners, Malik, Muhammad, Manny Muhammad. I love how aggressive he is. Terrence Brooks, you're going to be fine. Yeah. Everyone else is throwing (laughs) shit in the air. They're so excited. (laughs) And T. Brooks is like, oh, man. Oh, man, Roma Doomsday, Michael Penix, Jalen Polk, Jack Westover. Holy shit. I got one of those guys. And then what happens, Zay? First drive? First drive. Jalen Polk. Yo, Jalen Polk's spin move off Jaron Thompson after he called it? Oh, that's my old. That's his best friend. Oh, my Lord. That is – we ain't friends no more. If I'm Jaron Thompson, I ain't talking to you in years. Years, bro. National televised game, college football playoff. You do that to me. I get it. We're competitors and stuff. Hell no. That's that's fighting moves right there. That was such a nasty spin. I thought he took that, that was nasty. out. That was vicious. I said, I'm in the stands like, oh shit. Like, that made that made me jump a little bit. I mean, <laughs> like, Jaron fell, Jaron <laughs> fell into the sideline. And Polk spun, went right back to the middle of the field. Like, hey, man, I'll talk oh to you later. God, those dudes are so and Say good. hi to your mom for me. Oh, my gosh. Bug? Those, hey, Bug. Are... Say yeah. hi to your mom for me. That's cold-blooded. 
Yeah, I, I ain't talking to you for a while. You know what I'm saying? I can't I can't have you embarrassing me like that in front of my mama, in front of all our teammates, old teammates back in the day and stuff. Because they all talking about it. That's what they talking about. That's what you do. All of his former teammates. Hey, you see Paul get Jaron. Kyle, you see that spin? Yeah, that's all they go remember. Hell, I've been – my guy, J.D. Lewis, I've been telling J.D. Lewis about when J.J. Reddick busted his eye in that one-two matchup. Remember that in Jersey, Duke, Texas, when Texas wore those black jerseys? J.J. already had like 35 J.J. by went then. 41 that day. Oh, easy 41. He already had about 35 by then. Then Rick was like, hell, J.D., we'll throw you on him. What's the worst that you could do? Man, <laughs> J.J. came around that screen chip in the corner. J.D. was on that hip hard. He was like, I ain't going to let him shoot this. J.J. gave one little pump, little up fake. Ah, J.D. Good went point, flying man. in the stands, just, just flying. He bit so hard. J.J. looked at him, took one dribble. Bam, 38 right there. I've, I've been letting J.D. Lewis know that for 20 years. People don't forget. They don't forget now. Well, here's the thing. So I talked to Jalen Polk before the game, and he's like, oh, Bug, he's my, that's my best friend. We've been talking nonstop. And he's like, he's been through so much. And I was like, can you say? And he's like, man, he's going to have to tell you family stuff. I'm like, okay. I have a whole new appreciation for Jaron Thompson if it's, like, deep-rooted family stuff. Yeah. I always – I'm amazed like Terrell Brown, you know, his mother was murdered in the house. He was in the house when she got shot in the driveway. He was nine years old. The cops were ringing the doorbell over and over again. He finally wakes up, comes downstairs because she got up early to go to work. And Terrell opened the door and the cop said, God has a plan. And you're like, I don't know if if I was nine years old and my mom was murdered in the driveway, I'd no, nah, I'd be yeah, traumatized, man. That's tough. I'd be yeah. So I and Jaron Thompson played well. I know he got dogged on that play, but for the most part, he played well and they took him off the field. Anyway, let's let's get stretched. Let's bring in a coach. Let's bring in a man who gets paid. To, to provide football expertise to players on the field. Former Cowboys assistant, USFL uh, assistant coach, the one and only Glenn Stretch Smith. Stretch, how you doing? I'm good. How you guys doing? Happy New good, Year. Brad. Happy New Year. Same thing. All right, let me say this, Stretch. You are an offensive guru. Texas is running the ball down Washington's throat. And then they didn't keep running it. What the hell? I, I, I can't answer that question. I can honestly say that that's the first game that I've watched. Alpha to Omega. I watched every play of that football game. And it's the first time I've watched Texas that way. Obviously, I have to do it every week for the Cowboys. So there's times on Saturday when I want to miss a quarter or miss a little of this, but I didn't miss a dang play. And I found myself barking at the TV, just like I bark at the TV when the Cowboys play. So I, I don't, 
I don't know. I the more frustrating thing for me in the football game was Texas has got one of the most has had one of the most highly touted recruiting classes for the last three or four years, and they do not have a DB safety corner nickel who could make a play that to me that's beyond anything that I could sit here and tell you right now because there were ample opportunities in the football game where they were in position to make a play on the football and and couldn't do it and that to me that's the more frustrating thing I get it yeah they they could have run the ball and probably should have run the ball more and and play calling is part of obviously Sarkeesian is a good play caller and understands how to attack fronts and coverages and all of those things. But what I I still can't get over that they couldn't make a play in the secondary. And I think that's the thing that really cost them the football game. Yeah. Well, is that coaching or I mean, do you see the talent or no? Oh, I mean, they're there to make the play. I mean, they're 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 there. They just they just didn't for whatever reason. You know, I, I mean, there were multiple times on go balls where they were there, didn't fight through the hands of the of, of the receiver. They were, you know, he, uh, I, I don't remember who it was, which corner it was, tried to undercut the uh, the post route, and he was just a half a step short. That happens, and and I don't have a problem with that. My problem again is the entire football game, they could not get a critical stop in in the secondary. And I think that's I mean that's that really is the difference. You can say, well, they you know, they fumbled the football here and yeah, I mean it you're gonna have some turnovers, those things are gonna happen, but to not have a defensive back that could make a play for you is is gotta be maddening. And I'm sure it's something that they're you know, they're going to look back through and, and, and they're going to have to figure out how we can get our guys in a better position to make a play on the football. And I mean a ball in the air. Yeah, Stretch, there are a lot of times where Michael Penix, it seemed like he just put that thing on the money, but there were also times where the cornerbacks, they didn't even know where the ball was. They weren't even turned around, and the ball was already in the breadbasket of the receiver. I mean, how good was it Michael Penix putting it on the money, or you just straight up think that the secondary, they have to be better? Well, no, I mean, he obviously played a good football game. They had a good game plan to go and attack the Texas secondary. I mean, there were there were multiple route combinations that were attacking the Texas secondary, and good for them. And, and he made some throws. But again, I'm telling you, you didn't need but one critical stop in the football game. To, we wouldn't even be talking about this. We'd be talking about Texas going to the national championship. But they didn't get that critical stop. They didn't make that play. They didn't make that third down pass breakup. They didn't sack the quarterback. Come on, give me a break. You got to, we can sit here and, and yes, I think you got to give credit to Washington and they, they, they did a great job. But the bottom line is if you get one critical stop, you win the football game and, and, and you guys are yucking it up, you know, sashaying down to Houston, stopping at Bucky's three or four times. <laughs> what did you, what did you think of Penix? 
Well, I mean, I think he's a, he's a good player. I mean, you can tell he, he and he functions well in that offense. And they, you know, they they do they do a lot of shifting and a lot of motioning. And I'm sure it's something that they spent a lot of time during their off season working on. And you can tell they had a they had a good game plan. Again, I a left-handed quarterback for me. It's and I'm and and I throw left-handed. It is hard to, to watch that ball spin the other way. I mean, Michael Irvin would—he wouldn't catch a ball from a left-handed guy to save his life. But when you can spin it like that guy can spin it, hey, that tells you—you know—that it's, it's like Phil Mickelson used to say, hitting hitting the golf ball left-handed. It's round on the left side, just like it is on the right side. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm, I'm looking real quick, Zay. I'm looking at Michigan. Michigan runs the ball. And how do you keep Michael Penix from beating your ass? You keep him on the sideline and you run the ball, run the dang ball. <laughs> I think Michigan's going to run it. Well, sure. They're going to run it. I mean, that's what they do. That's that's. I mean, they, they're going to get him a dose of that quorum kid and yeah, they got two or three tight ends that they're going to roll out there. And then about the time that you think you're going to drop the safety in to stop the run, J.J. McCarthy's going to throw it up over the top of you. You know, again, Chip, I get your frustration with why they didn't, why they didn't call more runs, why they weren't running the football more. I, you know, they were by, it felt like a lot of the time they were kind of behind the chains and, 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 and had to kind of, you know, try to get it into a manageable situation. But again, I mean, they averaged 6.8 yards per carry on first down, 17 for 114. And I, I, I got it. You should have. I, I got it. You should have bloodied their nose running the football. I, I mean, is that cute enough? I, I don't know. Is that right? Is that get like get off the script? Off the, get off the script. Don't worry about trying right. to get Quinn into a rhythm. Run it. You you're killing them. Yeah, and I mean, right. I, I mean, again, a lot of times that's. That's not cute enough. That doesn't get the guy. That doesn't get the guy a shot in the rear end on Sports Center and say, "Wow, look at this! Look at this amazing play call right here! Look at how they attack this coverage! Look at how they do it!" No, they don't. That, that's not what to talk about. People don't want to talk about running the football anymore. But the, I'll say this until I am blue in the face: If you're going to win at the highest level, you better run the football and you better be able to stop the run. Period. Period. And Texas and had Texas. every. I mean that. That kid threw the ball all over the yard, and Texas still had a chance to win. It's a, yeah. I, it's frustrating, and I know you guys are frustrated at it, and I, and, and I hear you. Well, Stretch, is that what you're seeing in this day and age of college football when you watch or just football in general, when you look around the nation or the NFL and you see some of these coaches just getting too cute because that's what everybody wants to see. They want to see the ball travel in the air. They don't want to see just the grind that you have with a running game. Like, is that just what puts fans in the stands or gets these recruits in? Like, because I don't get it. Like, that's kind of my biggest knock on Sark. I feel like sometimes he just gets too cute and he has the script with 40 plays every game and he'll just stick with it instead of taking what the defense gives him. Well, and, and I mean, I, there, there's some truth to all of that. I mean, you know, everybody, everybody wants to be a part of the high flying offense. Everybody wants to be considered, you know, a Madden savant and, and you know, Hey, I, I, how good is it when you're, you know, when you can run the double post 
and the inside post carries the safety out of the middle of the field, and you can throw the backside post, that's great. All, all, all that is great, but inevitably, I, I still say you're going to run into weather, you're going to run into situations where you're not able to do that, and you better be a, you better be able to run the football. A lot of guys, a lot of guys can't teach running the football. They don't know how to coach running the football. They don't know how to teach head placement here, hand placement here, six inch step here, cutoff step there. They don't they don't know how to do that, and so they they do what's comfortable to them. And so I I, I hear you guys. You guys are frustrated today. I don't know why the hell you had wanted to have me on today unless you wanted to get another guy you kick around a little bit. <laughs> well, let's get to the damn Cowboys. I know both topics are frustrating. <laughs> so I, the reason why we have you on, both topics are frustrating. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, and I thought I'd heard everything from Jarrah, but his explanation of the Lions trying to uh, – fuzzy it up they tried to fuzzy it up by having all those guys like they were talking to the ref what did you make of that stretch because you've you're an offensive coach what did you make of what happened well and and, and let me say this i was i was so we had the pre and post game show at channel eight and i trey hand wanted to get downstairs and into that end zone so that we could go on as soon as the game went over. And I understood that. I got down there right as he was calling out the eligible number. And so I thought, okay. And then I saw the play be run. I saw him throw it backside to, to, to I believe they threw it to Decker. I believe they threw it to seven. Yeah, 68. And yes, yeah, 78. And so what, what then I saw was the – the, the side judge come in, which was, you know, she 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 made the the judgment that that wasn't who they had who they had said was a legal number. So, um, and then when I looked, I looked up at the at that massive board that like you do at Jerry World, and you could tell that seventy eight was covered up by the receiver outside. So that made him ineligible. Now. Here's what I know about, and, and again, I wasn't in any of these meetings, obviously, but two of the officials will always come over before the game, talk to the head coach, and ask them, "Hey, do you have, do you guys have anything that you're, you know, that you're running today that we really need to look out for?" And you're trying to give them a heads up if you have, you know, one of those borderline plays where, you know. Don't be surprised if we do X or if we do Y. The thing is, is then those two officials need to go back. Oh. oh. We lose you? Can you hear us now? Did I lose you guys? Yeah, you're back yeah, now. Back. Yeah. You got me now? Yeah. Yeah, but when, when you come back, when, they, when the two officials – Hear the call. You got to be able to communicate that with the rest of the crew. Whether that was done or not, I don't know. Yes, it was a it was a questionable call. It was a borderline call, and you know, the Cowboys I think got the break in that situation, just like they got the break uh, Sunday with Arizona beating Philadelphia. Now you go from being the five seed 
to be in the two seed, having two home games, if you can beat Washington before you have to go, and the only team you'd have to go play on the road would be San Francisco in the NFC Championship game, you have to say, man, God, Dallas has caught back-to-back breaks here. So when Jerry did that interview, I'm sure he was a little shot in the rear end knowing knowing that uh, they, they got the two seed and he's got two more home games in, uh, in Jerry World and, and more opportunity to sell some of that $30 popcorn. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay, how do you – we'll let you go on this uh, stretch. How do you see the Cowboys on the road – against the commanders i mean i think they take care of business but i i i mean i i don't know that i've been right this year to be honest with you i mean i'm gonna be right one of these times but i do think they go on the road and and beat a team that they should beat who has absolutely nothing to play for and you know they will have they will have two home games uh you know have back-to-back home games if they can win the first one to uh, figure out if they can get in the NFC Championship game. I, You know, I, I, Dallas, we know what their weaknesses are on defense. We understand what their weaknesses are on offense. And, you know, but right now, that it feels like they're getting a lot of the breaks. And you, sometimes, you you know, you just got to go with a good break. Yeah. Stretch, you're the man. Any other thoughts on the Cowboys? No, I, I, I'm not. I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go get some ice from y'all kicking me around about the Longhorns running the ball. <laughs> you agree? <laughs> hey, God, got to run the football, Chip. You got to run it, baby. I, I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm on your, I'm on your team. Put me in, Coach. I'm on your side. Thank you, thank you, Stretch. That's all I needed. <laughs> all right, buddy. Y'all have a good. Y'all have happy a good New day. Year. Same to you. Happy New guys. Year. We yeah. love talking to Stretch. Peace. He's our Peace. man. I mean, when we talk Cowboys, he tends to – sometimes he's the one who's fired up. Should be. Today, man. we were the ones fired up. Zay? Yeah. I mean, Cowboys, they're in a good spot right now. Beat the Commanders, get that two seed, get those two home games against teams that you should definitely beat. And – Let's see if they could knock off the 49ers, which they haven't been able to do. Hell, they haven't even been able to get to the NFC Championship, let alone beat the 49ers in the playoffs in general. So it would be uncharted territory for a lot of reasons. All right. I'm going to get to the chip shot. Um, again, love our, our sponsors. Uh, cover three, incredible food high-end food, and a place to watch the game, HoopsATX.com. Let Mike Gonzalez and HoopsATX put in your sport court of your dreams, that in-ground basketball goal. Don't give your kids video games. Give them a reason to get outside, get some exercise, HoopsATX.com. Zay, there is a lot of smoke coming from LSU about Brian Kelly trying to hire Bo Davis. And it's continuing. <clears throat> I just wanted to say, I, I know Texas is aware of this situation. Um, and I've been told that Bo Davis wants to coach his son. 
and that LSU is doing everything it can to get him on the football team where, you know, Bo can coach him. And that this he can't is come to like, Texas. Wait, wait, hold on. He can't come to Texas. Okay. No, I don't know if he. I don't know if he qualifies. I don't know what's going on. Ah, uh, um, yeah. Anybody get an LSU? <laughs> so we got to keep an eye on this thing until it goes away. Until Texas announces some new deal or something. I mean, I'm I'm hearing, you know, Texas will try to do what it can. So anyway, not much of a chip shot, but it, this is something we need to continue to keep an eye on. Um, so, and Bo, you know, Bo is a simple guy. He just wants to coach ball, but apparently he really wants to coach his son. So I don't know. I think, you know, and it's kind of, I don't know. I don't know. I don't have enough information. I mean, people are like, well, Sark's son's on the team. He's a walk-on on the team. Can't. And I've heard Sark has six spots for preferred walk-ons. I don't know. So maybe maybe they're getting on the same page now. Um, but we got to keep an eye on this thing. All right. Let's get to the right call. All right, y'all, before the right call, shout out to Covert BK. Shout out to Covert BK for getting us down to New Orleans and that beautiful Yukon GMC. They've been doing it for over 100 years. That Yukon drove very smoothly, and so will all the other vehicles that they have at Covert BK. You've got seven terrific brands to choose from, Chrysler, Dodge, Cadillac, Ram, GMC, Buick, and Jeep. Go to covertbcave.com for all the latest specials and inventory. Nobody beats a covert deal. Not now, not ever. All right, Chip. So you remember when I told you about Tyreek Hill and all of his baby mamas, correct? He got a oh, lot yeah. of like seven kids, three different baby mamas. He married Kenny Vaccaro's sister. That's the one that you see on Hard Knocks and stuff, getting the nachos spilled on there and all that shit. Well, this is why you got to be careful having so many kids because it's hard to supervise all them little bad baby son of a bees. So much so to where Tyreek Hill's home was caught on fire because one of these badass kids was playing with a cigarette lighter in his bedroom. So Tyreek Hill's one of his beautiful homes in Miami caught on fire because he got too many damn kids and he's never home because he's always at practice with the Dolphins and all the other responsibilities that come with being an NFL player. You got to get made or a full-time nanny dog because this shit is unacceptable. And this is what I'll be telling these athletes. Be careful how many kids you have. Yes, you love them. Yes, you mean well. Yes, you want to raise them to the best of their ability. But at the end of the day, that old Steve Martin, cheaper by the dozen, what did Seth Rogen say and knocked up? This is a horrible film. This is a dark film. 12 kids, way too many. You know what I'm saying? Like, not everybody's going to be like the Waynes bros. Not everybody's going to be like in Living Color where everybody gets a job and everybody's funny. You're going to have some bad seeds. It just is what it is. When you have that many, they all can't be good. So Tyreek Hill, again, dog, you got three different babies, mamas. 
They're all throwing shit at you, child support, this and that. You want to be happy and stuff? Just strap the Jimmy hat on, bruh. You know what I'm saying? Texas could still be good with the Jimmy hat. Some of these dudes, they, I don't know, they can't do it, Chip. They can't do it. They, ain't, they don't think about the consequences and stuff like that. Well, if this doesn't make you get the Trojan man, I don't know what does because the dude almost How down How many house. examples do we need? How many do we need? Like that's what that, that tells me right there. I don't even have no kids yet. Like that makes me cautious. Like, damn, if I just leave my kid alone for one second, they could burn my house down just like that. Playing with a cigarette ladder. What he got that for? He paid you know seven million for that house. Jeez. Like Tyreek Hill. You're going to Canton. You're one of the first players. I want to say he's the first player in NFL history to first eight years in the league, all eight years Pro Bowl, all eight. Like, I, we don't talk about him enough as one of the greatest of all time. We need to start because he is a special wide receiver, special speed. Like, yes, he had Patrick Mahomes, okay, but he's now he's making Tua look like all world. So – He's talented, but is he the smartest? I, 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 yeah. <laughs> I don't feel comfortable saying that he is. You know what I'm saying? I, I just don't. You know, I know Mike Gundy's still shooting himself in the foot for not giving him another chance and letting him stay in Stillwater. But yeah, that's too many is kids, he? bro. He should be. Are you kidding me? Why? Didn't why would you push? Didn't he push a pregnant girl down some stairs? Oh, he did all that. That's why I remember that. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't remember why. I thought it was a little just Ramon's Taylor smoking some weed situation. I damn no, Tyrese. Holy bad. crap! Wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Never mind, Mike Gundy. I apologize. You did the right thing. Wow. Yeah. See. Now I wouldn't say do that. <laughs> I wouldn't say do that to get rid of. Yeah, kids. that's why. That's why when you told me that uh, he had married Kenny Vaccaro's sister, I was like, uh-oh. Because Tyreek's got, he's got some, uh... yeah, here it is. Oh, it was uh, strangulation. Uh, it was, Hill reportedly punched and choked his then pregnant girlfriend. Jeez, fam. Um, yeah. He, he I don't got know. a little Antonio Brown in him. He, yeah. He I, got a little bit in him. Look, I'm all about second chances, redemption. Just be better, you know? Just make sure that whatever the hell got into your brain, which I've always said, Chris Beard, Tyreek Hill, walk away. Walk yeah. away. Because they're trying to get you to do something stupid to where you're going to pay them to make them go away. So just go away. Just walk away. But yeah. so I'm saying I mean, you better go Floyd Mayweather. If you get to the to point. Dodge and take thinking, off. You know. <laughs> take off running to something. Because um, there's some crazy women out there. For real. So, uh, well. Whenever I hear fire in an athlete's house, I think of Lisa Left Eye Lopez and Andre Rise. 
waiting to exhale. Oh my God. RIP Lisa. Is, is Andre Risen still with us? I think he's still alive. Andre Risen, dead or alive? I, I think he's still alive. He yeah. is. He Damn, is. That, he is still alive. Yeah. Yeah. RIP Lisa Left Eye Lopez. But man, I remember those helicopter uh, camera vantage points of his mansion mansion burning to the ground what he do did she just catch him cheating what was that whole story yeah yeah he was just cheating yeah. which i mean look like lisa left eye lopez was fine so all the tlc t-boss chili oh my goodness like if i was of the right age when they were really popping I would have creeped with them too. You know, so I creep. Yeah, that's a jam right there. Yeah, I I get it, Andre Rising. She might be a little crazy, but you take that risk. You take that risk. Somebody that fine, you take that risk. You know, you 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 put on one of those, I think I could change her, Chip. <laughs> that, that's one of those. You know how women be feeling about us? Where they're like, oh, he's just a little trouble, but he means well. I think I could change him. You got to do that with women like Left Eye. Like, she go crazy. She might cuss your ass out, but it's okay, baby. What? How do we? How do I get you to calm down? You know. What do you I'm remember? Saying? Do you remember how she started the fire? She set some of his sneakers on fire in the bathtub, mm. and the fire got a little carried away onto the shower curtain then into the wall and she got arrested she did five years <laughs> did probation I, did i therapy. hear you say land to excel <laughs> oh yeah when angela bassett did oh boy's car oh my god talk about some fine women in that movie wow oh yeah. man that's a that's a angela bassett movie. Angela Bassett, Prime, Whitney Houston. I, Whitney looked so good. I don't think she was on the coat during that time. She, we, we know she was, but that makes you like she was that fine in that movie. Like, was she on coat in this? Was Bobby around during this time? You know, I mean, Whitney's no Megan good, but you know. Well, what, excuse me? What did you just say? Whitney's no who? Megan, Megan. Good's no Whitney, damn it. Megan Good, Megan Good can't sing. Megan no, no, no. Good can't. No, I'm talking about fine. Just looks. Yeah. Okay, I I let you pass. I, I've never heard that before. That's the stuff that gets you kicked out the cookout, Chip. <laughs> you gotta. You gotta Megan Good is gonna get me cooked out, kicked no, out. No, the... just just saying, Megan Good ain't no Whitney Houston. You gotta be careful. That's well, Whitney, I, I, Whitney. I hear what you're saying. If we're talking you know, voices. Whitney is top of the list. Yeah, top but it's list. everything. It's everything that Whitney brings to the, the now the cocaine that scares me. The baggage, and then Whitney also had that girl to the side, the best friend. You ever hear yeah, about so, that? Okay, yeah, Holly Berry. I look, Holly Berry is woo. Yeah, that was the worst movie I ever sat through. Just a what Monsters Ball. Yeah, I think I had that memorized where that was in the movie. 
I still don't know how Billy Bob got that role. Like that's she definitely deserved Oscar Emmy. I don't know what the movie ones are called. She definitely deserved the award for that when she was crying in that dress. Yeah, that's to be with Billy Bob like that. I mean, I appreciate it. Billy Bob was on a roll, man. He was on a roll. He was Angelina. Oh my gosh, she had her in the limousine wilding. On the, the, on the way to the Oscars or something. Yeah, they were just talking crazy, doing crazy stuff. Like I've never seen Angelina Jolene like that before. Like she was, she looked <laughs> like completely just hypnotized by Billy Bob. And I was like, is Billy Bob? He's I know he's a good actor, but he's really out here though. You know, he's really Billy Bob's best work was Fargo to me. I love that series. When he season one Fargo, Billy Bob was in his back for that. So you ever see Sling Blade? But no, I haven't seen that one. Nia Long is way up there too. Yes, she is. Emma Udoka still shouldn't have a job. I'll go to my grave on that too. Emma Udoka, you better not mess this rocket shit up, bro. Because that Nia Long situation. Nah, man, I'm still salty about that. I'm still salty about that. That's just a ridiculous situation there. Yeah, he better he better be on that Steve Sarkeesian. Oh, I'm never taking life for granted ever again type stuff because, wow, yeah, Neil Long, special. And by the way, now Pete Thamel is reporting Jonathan Brooks to the NFL. So I retweeted his tweet with my man Hank South's story saying, reported first by Horns 24-7. Get him. You know, that's just little. You just want to give my man Hank. And he's down at the All-American game. He's working his ass off. He's busting it. So, you know. Little, uh, little, little love for our man Hank South. He's so busy he couldn't even come on the show today to talk to us about it. Yeah, man, Hank does a good job, works hard. You know, he's a big part of the Horns twenty four seventeen, and he shows it every day. So respect to him. Where's he at? Orlando or where's it at this year? It's Florida, Jeez. right? Because I know the. Army one, that's in San Antonio usually, if I'm not mistaken. So, what up, Trey? Hey, guys. Trey, you're the man. Good to see you again. Good to see you. I hate to be a jerk, but I absolutely have to run to get some bleep done. Get some yeah, sh- get out of here, man. See you later. Appreciate your good show today. Love y'all. Love you too, buddy. See you, buddy.